Thank you for joining us for this broadcast from the Ninth Avenue Church of Christ in Haleyville, Alabama. We hope that you will subscribe and will share our broadcast with others. Now, we take you to the pulpit of the Ninth Avenue Church of Christ. I just want you to know that when I walk into this room and see all of you, it makes me happy. I don't know what makes you happy through the week, but as I see you and I watch you all come in and and watch people kind of interact and worship, I just want you to know that it brings a smile to my face. I truly do look forward to every moment that we have in this room together to worship together and to study together and to interact and fellowship with one another. And just thank you so much for being here today. Um, Let's go to God in prayer, then we'll get into our time of study. God, we thank you for just blessing us and being with us and calling us your children. We thank you for we thank you for the truth that you have given us in our life, the the standard of life that that leads us in a path of holiness, but also leads us uh, in a direction of living closer to you and, and having your blessings and having this church family, God. And as we open up our hearts and minds again to this idea of being set apart, of being different from the world, God, we we pray that we come into this study open-minded. We pray that we come into this study ready to learn and grow um, with a willingness to be convicted and allow that conviction uh, to turn into change and forward momentum in our lives. We thank you so much for our church family. We thank you for the love that exists here, for the acceptance that exists here, for the truth that exists here, God. We thank you for this time that we have together, that we've been able to Uh, spiritually commune with you and with one another around this table this morning to remember the sacrifice of Jesus and the results of that sacrifice, which is the opportunity for us to have salvation and hope of eternal life in our life. Just thank you for the love that you show us. And it's in your son's name we pray. Amen. Last week, we started into this conversation and this study of holiness or, or being set apart. And I want us to recap last week just a little bit for those that you of you that were not here, for those of you that may have just forgotten, uh, because this is really one sermon that's divided up into two parts. So as we kind of begin this conversation, one of the challenges that we have in our Christian walk and in our life is to understand that we are holy. And, and we've done this show of hand before, hands before, and, and you've all pretty well raised your hand of how many of you consider yourself uh, holy. And very few people really, when they think about themselves, consider themselves holy because we have this idea that holiness many times equals perfection because Jesus was holy. God is holy. The Holy Spirit's name is holy, right? And they are perfect in every way. And so we carry this concept that holiness must equal perfection. Therefore, if holiness equals perfection, I can never be what? Holy. But that's not what Scripture says at all. God says for us to be holy because He is holy. Part of the reason that we're able to be holy is because of His 
holiness. And if you look at the story of the Bible, not just the story of the New Testament, but if you look at the story of the Bible, the story of the Bible starts with Adam and Eve. And they have this personal one-on-one relationship with God. God had in mind, God had the purpose of the, 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 the top of relationship that God wanted to have with his creation was a personal, face-to-face, one-on-one relationship. What messed that up? Starts with an S. Sin. Sin comes in and a, if you will, a holy God and an unholy creation for our terminology here, cannot coexist. Okay, so God creates sacrifices in a way to kind of bridge that gap as we get into um, as we get into the story of the Israelites. God says, hey, I'm going to be your God, all right? Especially as they come out of Egypt, I'm going to be your God. You're going to be my people. And because there's this unholiness issue about you, He says, we're going, and this is where we really get some depth in the idea of sacrifices and what sacrifices do and what the power of the blood of an animal could do. It created, if you will, an opportunity for people to deal with their unholiness, to find atonement for their unholiness, for them to find forgiveness for their unholiness and live in a relationship with God that although it is not exactly what God created at the Garden of Eden, there is still a way for those people to have a relationship with God. Fast forward to the New Testament. Hebrews says that the blood of goats don't have the ability to do what Jesus' blood was able to do. And as Jesus died on the cross and shed his blood for us, that gap becomes even smaller to where now, Not only are we able to have a deeper relationship with God, the Spirit of God dwells within us when we become a child of God. So that that relationship that God originally created, that we were separated because of unholiness and sin, is slowly, as, as we get through the story of Scripture, is getting smaller and smaller until one day, until one day, as we talked about a few weeks ago, the day of the resurrection, that relationship will be completely restored. But I want you to know this morning that you have the ability, you have the title of being holy if you are a child of God. And, and we talked about several things along that way. Let's, um, let's jump to our passage, to our text this morning. Uh, if you would, open your Bibles to 2 Corinthians chapter 6. 2 Corinthians chapter 6 is what we'll uh, kind of be looking at here from last week and then finishing it up this week. But this is where we started last week. Um, do not be yoked together with unbelievers. For what, does, for what do righteousness and wickedness have in common? Or what fellowship can light have with darkness? What harmony is there between Christ and Bilal? Or what does a believer have in common with an unbeliever? What agreement is there between the temple of God and idols? For we are the temple of the living God, as God has said. I will live with them and walk among them, and I will be their God, and they will be my people. Therefore, come out from them and be separate, says the Lord. Touch no unclean thing, and I will receive you, and I will be a father to you, and you will be my sons and daughters, says the Lord Almighty. Therefore, because I've said all that to say this, therefore, since we have these promises... Dear friends, let us purify ourselves from everything that contaminates body and spirit, perfecting holiness out of reverence for God. 
Okay, so that was our text last week. So we talked about two things with that idea. Number one, the first thing we need to do with this idea of holiness is we need to take sin seriously because God does. And we talked about the idea of drawing a bold line in our life and serving God above everything else. Those who suppress truth by their sin will face the wrath of God. And remember that those who approve of sin commit treason against God. The second thing we talked about was be God's temple and separate yourself from sinfulness. And this is one of the things that I love about this idea. He talks about perfecting our holiness. And within this idea, and you can read these if you were here, you heard it. But my favorite idea is that God understands that we're never going to be perfect. So we need to understand that we're never going to be perfect. But it is about a journey. It is about a process through the grace of God of us continuing to move forward in holiness, to continue working these things out and perfecting it and making myself better today than I was yesterday. That doesn't mean in three weeks I'm not going to fall and stumble and, and feel like I've messed it all up. But he says, get up and let's keep going. And so that brings us to our idea today that we're going to talk about. He says, therefore, since we have these promises, what promises was he talking about? Well, if we back up in our text, we see, let, let me get to it right here. Go back one more, right here. I will live with them and walk among them and will be their God and they will be my people. Okay, that is where we launch into this idea today. That if we commit ourselves to a life of holiness, of living by the standards of God, God will bless us if we stand with holiness or for holiness. And the first thing I want us to think about in this idea here is the reward of holiness is God himself. And that's what he says in our text. He says, if you live this way, if you set yourself apart and you live this life, you live this holy culture, then what you receive in return is you have a relationship with me. You know, one of the things that I think we struggle with sometimes in, in our faith, and I've heard it taught and I've heard it preached, and I don't always agree with, with maybe the direction. I do understand the premise Okay, but we talk about sometimes about how this relationship, we talk about it in worship in particular a lot, that worship is not about what I get, but what I give to God. But one of the things that you see throughout Scripture is that there is give and take on both sides of this equation with a relationship with God. God says to the people of Israel, I will be your God, you will be my people. These are the blessings that you receive, but to receive these blessings, you must also do these things. And he says the same thing throughout the New Testament to us. I'm going to save you from your sins. I'm going to offer you salvation. I'm going to, I'm going to be your God. But in response to that, you need to do these things. Right? And if we're not careful, sometimes we get so focused on the doing that we lose, we lose the promises that are ours to obtain, that are, that, that are, that are the gifts of this relationship. And he says here, I am going to be your God. When you live this way, understand, I'm going to be here with you. And what greater promise is there than the presence of God in our life? Don't you agree with that? What greater promise is there than the presence of God in our life? And he says, I'm going to be your God. But the next thing he kind of talks about here, and I want you to understand about this idea, is fighting against sin is hard, but yielding to enslavement is harder. Fighting against sin is hard. Um, 
I think we've all got that thing that we struggle with, don't we? We've all got that, that temptation, that, that sin that maybe we don't want other people to know about. Maybe, one, maybe it's kind of one of those secret sins. Maybe it's something like greed. Maybe it's like jealousy. Maybe it's one of those type things that for some people maybe it's more public. We all have that thing that we struggle with and that we, we have a hard time sometimes overcoming. And if it's the right day and I'm in the wrong mood and the wrong person says something to me, boy, I'm, I, I, I'm in a mood and I'm in a direction of, of unholiness, if you will. I'm in a direction of negativity and it just opens the door for that to come in and, and that to kind of have control again. And sometimes I give into it, sometimes I don't, but we all struggle with that idea. But I want you to know something this morning. <clears throat> I want you to know something this morning. Struggling with sin is much better than giving in to sin. Can you say amen to that? Struggling with sin is so much better than giving in to sin. And sometimes, whether we mean to or not, we were talking about judgment in class this morning. It was a great conversation. Sometimes, whether we mean to or not, we judge people because of their struggle. And they're trying to overcome. They're trying to still walk towards Jesus. They're trying to do the best. They're trying to perfect their holiness, but they're struggling. They're not completely giving in, but they're struggling. And since we understand holiness as perfection, we expect perfection in people's struggles, and it's never going to happen. But I want you to know this morning, if you're struggling with something, I would rather you struggle than to completely give in. Because as long as you're struggling, as long as you're fighting, as long as you're not giving up, you're putting yourself in a situation to win the battle with God by your side because he says, I'm going to be with you. I'm going to be with you. I'm going to help you in this. You know, it's, 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 it's here. I've got you. Because yielding to it is enslavement. Enslavement to sin is a, is is has kind of become a church word to us. It's become a word that we use. It's a word that's in scripture. It's a biblical word, but I don't think it's a word that we really give enough credence to. We don't give enough credit to. We don't give enough attention to. Another word that you can use there is control. If something has enslaved you, it controls you. And we don't like to give up control, do we? We don't want to admit that sin could have control of us. Maybe you struggle with the greed or the sin of greed. And everything about your life is going to be controlled by getting more, by getting more, by getting better, by having more than other people. And although you may think, I'm just trying to better myself, I'm trying to better my situation, in all of those moments, it's all about Feeling that greed, and that greed controls you above everything else. Maybe it's jealousy, and you look around at other people, and all you can think of is how how you wish you had what they have, and that sin controls you. And we can list those things, but as long as you're struggling and not giving in, you've not given it control. You've not given over to it. And I want you to know this morning, struggling is better 
than being enslaved. The burden of Jesus is so much better than the pig pen of Satan. Amen? This is what, this is what John writes. Amen, that's right. In fact, this is love for God to what? Keep his, say it, what's that word? Commands. And his commands are not burdensome. What's a burden? What's a burden? In class last week, was it last week? You talked about the brick in your back pocket. He was talking about uh, our newest coach of the year, Mr. Williams here. Congratulations, by the way. Was talking about how he talks to his players about this idea of trying to play with a brick in your back pocket. And how heavy is just a, I mean, most everybody in here can just pick up a brick, just in general, right? You just pick up a brick, pick it up. And that, that first moment that you pick a brick up, is it heavy? I mean, ish. But anybody can pick something up and put it down, right? And it not really slow them down. But what happens if you take that brick and you put it in your back pocket for the day? Does that brick become lighter or heavier as the day goes on? It becomes heavier. It's really not any heavier, but it feels heavier. It's a burden. It's something that slows you down. It's something that drags you down. It's something that keeps you from being efficient in what you're doing. And a lot of people want to look at Christianity. A lot of people want to look at holiness, and they want to go, it's not, I can't do it. It's a burden. I can't leave that way. I can't be perfect. God doesn't tell us to be perfect. He tells us to be Okay, we're a sermon and a half into it yet. You should know the answer. He's not asking us to be perfect. He's asking us to be holy. He's asking us to be set apart. He's asking us to be different. He's asking us to be above the world. He's saying, look, I want you to create a holy culture that you live in. And this is a great idea that I heard this past couple of weeks as I've been studying. And I don't think about this, okay? I don't think about this, but I'm going to say Alex. Alex over here, Alex thinks about this. Alex gets this. Alex, where are your parents originally from? Mexico, okay? So in your house growing up, even though y'all moved here and you live in America, inside of your house, what culture was the main culture? A Mexican culture. You spoke Spanish at home, right? You ate Mexican food, like real Mexican food, not like La Cazona Mexican food, right? Like real Mexican food, not Tex-Mex. Okay, the structure within that, the, maybe the friendships that you had in that, in that environment, in that culture, okay? So they're living in America, but when they are to themselves, when, when they're in their home, they are still living their culture that they know and that they're familiar with. And God says, that's what I want from you. That's what being holy is. That's what being set apart is, is that we live in this world. We live in this world, but we have a Christian culture that defines who we are. We live this way together. This is our community. This is our family. These are our traditions. These are our teachings. This is our God. And it's not burdensome. Not at all. It's not burdensome. The commands of God are not burdensome, but the enslavement of Satan's pig pen is. So he says, hey, look, when you live holiness, when you stand for it, you're going to be blessed. And the main blessing is God himself. I would step down and say the second blessing is us as a family, and then all the blessings that God 
pours onto us through there. Okay, we got a few more minutes. Let's knock out some of these applications. A handful of applications here for you this morning. Because I've given you the what. Okay, three points of the what. What is holiness? All right, how are we supposed to live this? How are we supposed to do this is next. What does it mean? Okay, how, how are we going to live this out in our life? All right, here's the first thing, and I want you to really key in here and listen. If you are struggling with sin, temptation, and failure, we welcome you to join us in a repented life. In a repentant life. It's easy to listen to these sermons and go, oh man, I'm struggling with something. He's talking to me. I'm not living in holiness. I'm, so, I'm not perfect. Everything's wrong with me. And they, I, I can't be here. I can't do this. No, 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 no. If you're struggling with sin this morning, you're in the perfect place. Amen? If you're struggling with sin this morning, you are in the perfect place. Because guess what we're all struggling with this morning? We're all struggling with it. We're doing our best not to give, give in to it and give over to it. We are here so that by God's grace, we can find an eventual victory. The lesson is not about you. The lesson is about those who refuse to repent, those who refuse to struggle, those who give up and say, I'm not going to have anything to do with it anymore. If you're struggling and still walking towards Christ, you're still living in the light. You're still living in that holiness. The second thing I want you to think about, though, and we've talked about this a couple of different times, when people are going toward Christ, we show lots of love. When people are going away from Christ, we show lots of truth. And I showed you this last week, and I've, I've really grown to love this example. And I don't want you to misunderstand this example at all. I'm not saying that we just accept anything and everything, okay? But what I'm saying is as people are coming in and they're growing closer to Christ and, and they're not yet Christians, but they're moving in that direction or they're babes in Christ and they're learning and they're in their infancy, we don't have to make it so, so rigid and so burdensome. We help them grow. But just because I become a Christian doesn't mean that the struggle stops. Just because I become a Christian doesn't mean Satan's going to leave me alone. As a matter of fact, what do animals in the wild do? They find the youngest. They find the, less, the least. They find the one that's struggling the most, and that's who they attack. Satan's the same way. He's looking for that easy prey. And a lot of times it's the young Christians who still hadn't figured it all out. So in those moments with those people, we teach truth, but we teach it in grace and love and understanding and say, hey, I, I know you're not going to get it all right now, but we're going to help you to that place. But once they get to a place of maturity and they decide, hey, I don't want to have anything to do with this anymore, and they desert, decide to walk away, then, hey, we, we, we teach and we demand purity and we demand that excellence that God says you must have in your life. We have to understand that. The next thing, two things I want you to think about is renounce indulgence as fake love. Renounce indulgence as fake love. Now, our, our world, our country, our society uses the word love in so many different ways. I love a cheeseburger and I love my wife. Which one do I love more? You know? Which one do I love more? If I just say I love them, that's why Scripture has all of these different words for love. They all mean kind of different things, and they have different depths and different understandings. You know, um, what was it? Nathan asked me for it back a few weeks ago. I said it. Uh, love is a feeling that you feel when you feel a feeling that you've never felt before. Okay? So what is love? By that definition, it could also be what? Indigestion. You know? Who knows, right? We have replaced the word love in our society with the word lust. 
We have replaced the word love in our society with the word lust, a desire, a craving of wanting to have it. Okay, And it's not just love in a sexual term or lust in a sexual term. It's lust for all kinds of things. We cannot allow lust to define our love. We have to renounce that, and we have to love that which is holy and pure. And the flip side of that takes us in the next statement. Learn to say, I love you, but I will never approve of that. That is so hard in our walk. Because when I live this lifestyle, people also look at this lifestyle as a lifestyle of what? Judgment. Hey, Riley, I love you, brother. But if you smoke that certain food that I don't like, I'm not going to, you can't, can't go there. You know, got to do it my way. No, I love you, Riley, but this thing you're doing in your life, I can't be a part of it. And when you're ready to come back to God's way, then that relationship can keep going. But for now, for now, Jonathan, I love you, but you're an Astros fan and an LSU fan. Can't go down that road with you. But when you come back over to our side, then we can continue this relationship. And those are funny examples, but you get what I'm saying. And what the world hears is what? I'm doing what? I'm judging. What God sees is you're living for me. We don't do it in a harsh way. We do it in a loving way, but we have to be able to say, this is the line. I'm not going to cross it. The next couple of things, and these all kind of lean in together. Love non-Christians enough to enter their unholy lives for the purpose of winning them to Christ. Read that with me. Say that with me. Love non-Christians enough to enter their unholy lives for the purpose of winning them to Christ. One of my favorite stories with this idea is Phil Robertson. How many of you know who Phil Robertson is? He's the what? The duck commander. He's an elder in the church down in um, Louisiana. He's had a TV show. They've got another show coming out on Fox here, um, Fox streaming or something. They got, they're, all, they're all back out here again doing things and... Uh, um, Phil's come under a lot of heat through the years for his um, just unapologetic service to God, okay? Um, but let me ask you this. What would you think about me if you saw me drive in and pull out of the local bar four times this week? What would you think about me? How many of you would judge me? That's exactly what the preacher did with Phil Robertson. The guy that baptized Phil was bound and determined to baptize that guy. He was going to get him in the water. And you know where he could find him every night? At the bar there in Louisiana. So you know what he did? He went to the bar, sat at the table with Phil while Phil drank, and talked to him about God. He loved Phil enough to enter into his unholy life, not for the purpose of acceptance, not for the purpose of participation, but for the purpose of what? Winning him to Christ. And sometimes we have to let our guard down and understand that I may have to... I don't change what I believe. I don't participate in the sinfulness. But if I'm going to win the world to God, I'm going to have to fish in the waters of the world. I'm going to have to go out there and talk to them. And y'all, people are not flooding into churches like they did 50 years ago. This is not our main point of evangelism anymore. It was at one point. It's not today. 
And that's not a good thing. That's not a bad thing. That's just where we are. So what does that mean? Instead of them coming to us, what do we have to do? We have to go to them. And if we're not willing to do that, if we're not willing to enter their lives for the purpose of winning them to Christ, if we're looking at them and going, well, they're over there and I can't do that because I'm going to be judged if I do. No, no. If we're not willing to go, we can't then look at them and go, well, they're lost. Maybe they're lost because you won't go. Maybe they're lost because you don't love them enough. Maybe they're lost because you're a hypocrite. Maybe they're lost because you're more worried about perfection than holiness. Got to love people enough to meet them where they are and help them come close. We, we, We can't compromise. We can't compromise. We can't participate. Sometimes we may have to step out of our comfort zone and reach them and love them and pull them closer to Christ. Then that leads to the next idea. Love Christians enough to confront them when they rebel against God. That was the conversation we had this morning in our class, was the idea, is it easier to judge ourselves or judge other people? And it's maybe easier to judge ourselves, actually it's maybe easier to judge other people than to judge ourselves, but... Sometimes it's harder to have those conversations. We were looking at the Sermon on the Mount, and Jesus, we're paraphrasing here, Jesus says, hey, don't be so concerned about your brother's speck when you've got a what? Plank in your eye. What does he go on? He says, he first remove the plank, and that whole section's under this idea of don't judge, but you know what he never says? He never says, don't remove the speck of dirt. He says, take care of yourself, live a life of holiness, and then go deal with your brother. But that whole idea there is there still may come a time where I've got an issue, where I've got a problem, not me, okay, you've got an issue, you've got a problem, and your direction with God, and as your brother, I have the responsibility to sit down and say, hey, Gary, i got to talk to you in love, man. i got to talk to you in love because you're moving away from God. Part of me living holy is helping you live holy as well. And so we have to love Christians enough to confront them even when they rebel against God. All right, that gets us lesson two. We've been called to be something awesome. We've been called to be something amazing. We've been called to be Christians. We are children of God. We're children of God. You know, in our world, in our society, who your parents are, has a lot to do with maybe what you get and receive and the benefits of your life. There are some families who have more clout. There are some families who have more influence. And when you are born into that family, you get the benefits from that, even though you had nothing to do with it whatsoever. We all understand that. But I want you to know this morning that as Christians, as people who have said, I believe in God. I'm turning my life over from enslavement to sin to service to God. I'm going to let everybody know that I serve God and that I believe in God. I'm going to have my sins washed away in the waters of baptism so that I can come up a new creation, so that I can receive the indwelling of the Holy Spirit, so that I can be forgiven of my sins, so that I can have my salvation, um, so I can have it, you know, in in, rock solid and know that I have a home in heaven with God when eternity comes. When I make those decisions and live that life, I become a child of God. 
the ultimate family. I'm set apart, and I'm living in a certain direction. And that's what we're called to do. It's an awesome life, but it's something that I know we all struggle with. And so that's why we're spending some time with this, so that we have an understanding of what God expects. Not perfection, but holiness. Let's close with a word of prayer. God, we thank you for the time that we've spent with one another this morning. We thank you for the opportunity to just open up your word and to share thoughts um, from this amazing passage. We thank you for Jesus and his sacrifice that, that brings complete cleansing, complete cleansing in our life, God. Not partial, not part of the way, not three-fourths, complete cleansing in our life. And we thank you for your Holy Spirit that once he enters us, you see us as holy. You see us as living with you. You are living with us in that moment. You see us as your temple. Help us to see that in ourselves, God. Help us to live that every single day. And when we struggle, help us to not give up. Help us to not give up, God, and give in. Just help us to keep fighting, keep pushing. Help us to lean on each other. Help us to draw from your strength to win that battle. It's in your son's name we pray. Amen. There is beyond the azure blue a God concealed from human sight. If this program has been beneficial to you, please consider subscribing on YouTube, Apple Podcasts, or your favorite podcast provider. Also, we'd love for you to leave us a five-star review, which will greatly assist us in getting the message of God's love and salvation to others. We'd love even more for you to join us in person. We are located at 2309 9th Avenue in Haleyville, Alabama. You can also check us out on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. Be sure to join us again. And until then, remember, we are a Church of Christ caring for its community.